In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, Paul says that the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And, I, and, and one of the things I read to you Sunday was that God wanted us to be ministers and witnesses. And it's like we have a lot of ministers today. We have a lot of people who can speak the word. But it's important that there's the witness of God as well. And that's what Paul is saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, that the kingdom of God is in power. It's not just a bunch of talk. It's not a lot of hot air. But there's a reality to God's kingdom. There's a power in God's kingdom. The kingdom of God right now, we would understand it to be an invisible kingdom. We understand that our God right now, he's invisible to people. They don't see him. But guys, the kingdom of God is here in the person of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in the church. And so the Holy Spirit desires to take that invisible kingdom and shake the kingdoms of this world and demonstrate the power of Jesus Christ to the world right now. And I think it's very evident to us to be able to see that it doesn't matter what we say. It doesn't matter how much we talk. It doesn't matter how clever our arguments are. Unbelievers are going to continue to be unbelievers. And people that are given to Satan are going to continue to be given to Satan. And, and, and as much as we want to talk truth, it's not going to break addictions. The thing that is going to break the power of addictions and the power of bondage and the destruction that is happening to our young people and our culture and our governments and our world today is the power of God's kingdom. What we say is important, but what is also important is the power of God. And so there were these enemies of Paul and enemies of the gospel and they were in the church at Corinth and Paul was telling the church, I'm coming to you and when I come, I'm not going to just sit around and talk, but I'm coming in power. And it's wonderful to know that you can go forth in the power of God and something's really going to happen through your life. This is the time of light. It is the time of the day. Jesus said the night is coming when no man can work. And I just bless God that it's not night yet. Yo, there's an exciting work we get to do for Jesus Christ. There's something so thrilling to be able to believe that because Jesus lives in me, that there is light in this world still today. It's not totally dark. It's not hopeless. It's, it's not like, okay, let's just give the world over to despair and men are just terrible and nobody's going to turn to Jesus Christ. No, I, I, I reject that in the name of Jesus Christ. That it's a day of revival. It's a day of glory. It's a day of testimony. It is a day for people to know Jesus Christ. There, there's an answer to the addictions and the problems and the confusion of our world. There's an answer for suicide in our world today. And that answer is Jesus Christ. And Jesus comes in power. And I thank God for power. And we need to have powerful churches. We need to have powerful believers. And churches are not powerful because it's the walls of the church. Or it's the stage of a church. You're the church. And the church is powerful because you believe God to be powerful in you. And you want God to be powerful in you. And so Paul says this, look at it again, verse 20, that the kingdom of God is in power. That's what it is. This word power means miraculous power, ability, abundance. Power is the essence of the Christian witness. It's not just a gospel accessory where maybe power will occur. It is a gospel necessity. 
where the Holy Spirit is preaching the gospel, there's going to be power. People will be saved. Lives will be transformed. Hope will come to people. Joy will come into people's lives. This power was demonstrated through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, the works that I've done, greater works will you do. And he offered us the gift of the Holy Spirit in order that we might live powerful lives for God. To heal the sick. We don't see many lepers today, but we sure see many diseases and corruptions in people's lives. And to bring healing into those lives, to raise the dead, to cast out devils, to preach the gospel, to break the spells that demons have put upon other people and their families. To see these things banished from our culture and our way of life. The removal of blindness and lameness and deafness and dumbness. There's a remedy in the kingdom of God for hunger and thirst and famine. Jesus is still able to feed the multitudes with just a little fish and bread. He can still do that today. We pray tonight for Jesus to affect the weather this weekend. Why did we do that? For some people it may seem silly. But for us, we still believe in the power of God. We believe that God holds all power and all authority. Every miracle of Christ was a demonstration of his kingdom. And the demonstration of his kingdom was to expose the lies of Satan. When they reported to Jesus that a particular individual was dead, it was supposed to be final. Death is the end. That was the truth. That was the fact. And that was what the Satan was promoting. But Jesus in the kingdom of God responded. He's not dead as you suppose. Death does not have the last word. I'll take me to him. And I will raise him up. That was the truth of God. That was the truth of the kingdom. And that just simply says that where the kingdom of God is. Then the kingdom of this world doesn't have the last word. And Satan does not have the last word. And Satan's lies that people embrace as facts are to be uncovered and exposed as lies and deceit. As God manifests his power over that. And that's what we are alive to do. You're the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. If sick people are to be healed today, it's because you're going to pray for them. If Jesus is to touch them, he has to touch them through your hands. You were just singing the song that he lives in you. And so if he lives in you, then the only way he can manifest himself is through you. So if he's going to minister to homeless people on the street corner, he needs your feet. And he needs your mouth. Because they're not necessarily coming to our churches. And the gospel needs to go to them. And so you're the one. Don't look to somebody else to do this. Please, for God's sake, beloved... Don't look for somebody else to do it. Live your life as though the will of God depends totally upon you. What if nobody else does it? Then you do it. You be the one. You be the instrument. Believe that the Holy Spirit can do anything through you. And he will do all things through you. If you will believe him to do that. Let nothing hold you back. The kingdom of God and miracles cannot be separated. Where the kingdom is, there are miracles. And where miracles are, we must not be fooled to think it's just the kingdom. Test it. For the devil will come with signs and wonders as well. But the kingdom of God will never go against the word of God. The word of God and the kingdom of God and the spirit of God and the king of the kingdom 
will all agree with his written word. He will never go against it. And the fundamental exercise of every miracle of the kingdom is to testify of the king. And where false works are being done, then it will promote somebody else other than Jesus. And it will promote something else other than the word of God. So you don't have to fear deception. You don't have to fear a false spirit. Be cautious of them. But don't think they're going to just jump on you. You've got the spirit of God and the word of God to test it. And when it's true and when it's biblical and when it's lifting up Jesus Christ, then join that so that the work of God can grow through your life as well. Test it. Don't be afraid of it, but test it. And when it's proven to be true, then join God in what he's doing in the world. You as a Christian may look pretty, inoc- pretty, you know, weak or pretty timid or not impressive and people don't seem to be scared of you. Maybe you're, you're, you're not the, the brightest person. Maybe you're not the smartest person. Maybe you're not the most accomplished person. Maybe you're not the wealthiest person. Maybe you don't have a doctorate by your name and you don't understand a lot of the theological things that people would talk about today. You may look this way. You may look inconsequential, but make no mistake about it. If you are full of the Holy Spirit, you are full of power. The power of the Holy Spirit rests upon you. You are vital to God's redemption plan. Your tongue, your mouth, what the Holy Spirit can speak through you has the power to impact destinies and change the course of events in this world today. In our hands We can possess the power that the Holy Spirit can bring forth to manifest the healing of people in their moments of greatest, greatest suffering and toil. In the book of Acts chapter 1, if you will read that with me. Because if there is power in the kingdom of God, then this is the means of power. And there is no other means of power. This is it. And we thank God that we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, This is a treaty to Theophilus written by Luke of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Remember that because I'm talking about the power of God. And, And what Jesus did was as important as what he said. What you do is as important as what you say. And so if you profess this great God and that he's able to heal, then pray for the sick. If you believe it, pray for the sick. If you believe he can cast out the devils, then go to the tormented and pray for them to be set free. Don't just say it. What you do is as important as what you speak. And then Jesus said in verse 4, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which saith he, you've heard of me. For John truly baptized with water. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Not many days hence. And when they were therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea 
and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You should be witnesses unto me in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Praise God, nobody's left out. And began to speak with other tongues. They all did. As the Spirit gave them utterance. And these people in Jerusalem dwelling there, multitudes of people, would eventually have the gospel preached to them. Which I think is very important. Because they, he was preached to them in the power of the Holy Spirit. As Peter stood up and spoke. And 3,000 people were saved that day. 3,000 people. No doubt out of the 3,000 people. Some were saved out of prostitution. Some were saved out of fornication. Some were saved out of lying. Some were saved out of stealing. Some were sta- saved out of alcoholism. Some families were saved. Some marriages were healed in an instant of time because the power of God moved through Peter's mouth and brought conviction to their heart and they were saved. That was a miracle. That power is in you. That power, whatever's going on in this world, it cannot resist the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit lives in you. And the kingdom of God is in power. And we must understand and we must believe for this power today. These gifts of the Holy Spirit that he brings into his church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about some of the gifts. A spiritual gift is a supernatural capacity. It is a supernatural power. That it is bestowed upon a Christian by the Holy Spirit. Enabling normal people to exercise supernatural ability. That's the gifts of the Spirit. To enable you, a normal person, to exercise supernatural ability. That does not come derived from your own ability. But it is the sovereign move of the Holy Spirit. And praise God, these gifts of the Holy Spirit are charismatic gifts. And that word just simply means they're gifts of grace. You do not earn them. How long do I have to be in the church before I can receive the power of God? The moment you're born again, you're in the church. And the moment you're in the church, you can receive the power of God. Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And he will give you power to be a witness for him. The very moment. The easiest thing in the world that you could ever have as a Christian is to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's the easiest thing. It's not a struggle. It's not a battle. The whole battle is in the mind. But the ease of it is to just receive by faith and exercise that faith. That's the problem. People don't. They don't exercise their faith to believe that. But it's the easiest thing. The greatest gift that God gives to his church is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the power of God. So that wherever you go, you can say that the kingdom of God is at hand because God the Holy Ghost lives in you. And the power of God demonstrates the reality of that truth everywhere you go. And this miracle takes place. These are the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit to give you the ability to minister beyond human ability. That is your gift for you to receive. If you can't do, then you don't have it. It's just as simple as that. 
If you can't do, you don't have that baptism. That baptism removes all excuses. If there's an excuse in your life, I can't, then you need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because this Holy Spirit changes personality. This Holy Spirit transforms the excuses into possibilities. It causes people who once said, I cannot, to be able to say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Oh, I can. Is there the sick? Let me pray for him. I'm not afraid. Is there some clever atheist? Let me at him. Because somebody lives in me that can talk to him. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't have a planned speech. But God can speak something through me that is able to confront this culture. Confront it completely and totally in every way. This is the ability of God. I want to say this to you because we oftentimes think that praise and worship is music, but it's not. It's not. It can involve it, but that's not what it is. And praise is not the fast songs and worship is not the slow songs. It's not the way it works. And I want to say this to you that praise, the highest form of praise, is to desire the gifts and believe in the giver. By living in faith that counts on him. And that's the highest form of praise. And why is that the highest form of praise? Because if there is any way possible for Jesus to be known in your life, you need the gifts of the Spirit. There has to be power in your life. And if you have any love for God at all, then you want people to know him. And the only person on this planet that can make people know Jesus Christ is the Holy Spirit. And therefore, I desire for people to know the Holy Spirit. I need the whole, or to know Jesus. I need the Holy Spirit. I desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit in my life. I desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit to operate through my life. And when the gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to operate through my life, and the powers of darkness are pushed back. And the strategies and the deception of Satan is exposed. And people be, get saved. And people get free. And people get happy. And people get healed. And people get delivered. You can't tell me God is not praised by that. But if I live some powerless Christian life that hardly ever accomplishes anything, may never even bring a person into Christ, live my whole life in church and never bring a person to church with me, or never see a person get baptized because they put their faith in Jesus Christ as a result of God's power through my life. What a terrible way to live. The Bible says, by all means, save some. I mean, save somebody. And the Holy Spirit's the only one that can and these powerful gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to do that. Can you praise the work of God in your life by believing that God is able to use you rather than making excuses that God cannot use me? A few weeks ago, we had an incredible Wednesday night service. The Holy Spirit just poured out on us. It was incredible. Young people were so thrilled in the Lord. Abiola was amazing. But not just him. I mean, he was, he was the, the match that just lit the whole thing up. 
But it was all of you guys dancing and rejoicing before God, hungry for the Lord, enjoying God. The joy of the Lord was so incredible. That God hasn't changed. We changed from that Wednesday to the next Sunday. We changed. That God didn't change. That God still is joyful and happy and free and, and, and lifted and high and lofty and mighty as he ever was. He wants us to enter into his presence. And this is the desire of God, to believe that God can do this through my life. That God can work in my life. And God can demonstrate himself through my life, to believe that. To live a life of faith demands a conflict. That's what faith is all about. To live a life of faith means that you have to come up against things that do not logically make sense. To live a life of faith means that you have to overcome appearances. To live a life of faith means that you have to contend with facts. Do you remember what you said, Gustavo, is the opposite of faith? What was it? Your sight. To live by sight. To live by what you see. And so if you're going to live by faith, you have to overcome that. You have to overcome the facts. You can't feed 5,000 people with a couple of fish and bread. That's impossible. And that is a fact. But it's not the truth of heaven. And it's not the truth of faith. And it took a man of faith to feed the 5,000 people with the fish and the bread. You can't walk on water. But a man of faith can walk on water. You can't raise somebody from the dead that has been in the grave for four days. But a man of faith can do it. And men and women of faith today are continuing to change the landscape for the kingdom of God. When the world says impossible, men and women of faith are daring against the impossible to believe God to do what he can do. Some of you have said things in your life. You've said things about situations in your life. You've said things about problems in your life that this will never change. This will never be different. This will never be over. And when you come to that point, what are you left with but defeat? Faith has to rise up in spite of the facts. And faith has to rise up in spite of what you see. And faith has to overcome that conflict by believing God. I believe God. That's what faith has to do. So if you're going to live by faith, you have to overcome conflict. You have to overcome every logical reason why you can't and why you shouldn't. And you're going to have to believe God. That's the life of faith. It's time we exercise this faith. In Philemon chapter 1, which there's only one chapter, I want you to see this. It's right before the book of Hebrews. It says in Philemon verse 6, I love this scripture. It's something that I, I, I read much throughout the week. And he says this, that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. And, and I just say to us tonight. It's time to activate your faith. It's time to put it into action. And this passage of scripture in Philemon 1.6. Confirms everything that I believe the spirit of God has put on my heart to tell you tonight. No excuses. No I cannot. No I'm not worthy. This verse of scripture never once asks you for your resume. 
It never once asks for how good you are, how mature you are, how holy you are, how knowledgeable you are, how long you've been in the church, how good you are, how professional you are. How powerful you are. How smart you are. It doesn't ask for any of that. All it does is this. Does Jesus live in you? Can he do anything? That's all it asks of you. And if Jesus lives in you and he can do anything through you, then begin to live in that faith. That's what it means. The communication of your faith. The the distribution of your faith. The giving out of your faith. If you want it to be effectual. Then begin to exercise it by acknowledging. Every good thing that's in you in Christ. And if Christ is in you. Then every good thing you need is in you. Because he's everything. It's time to exercise that. Some of us need to see a real change in our life. And I just say, make a faith change. Don't just change. Don't just turn over a new leaf. I'm going to do something. Make a faith change. What does that mean? Get with God. Talk to God. Pray. Get into the presence of God. Cry to God. Lay everything out before God. Lay your life before God. Lay your problems before God. Lay your broken heart before God. Lay your defeat before God. Lay what the devil's doing to you before God. Lay it all before God and cry to God and say, God, speak to me. What do you want me to do by faith? God begins to speak to you. Live it out. Not looking at yourself, but Christ who is in you. Live it out and watch what God can do. And believe God to do it. And so I just want to come back to this thing that we talked about last week. And if, if you will, in First Timothy. I just want to see this about fear. And I believe it's in Second Timothy. I'm sorry, chapter 1. And I'm going to close with this. But he says in Second Timothy chapter 1. He says, wherefore, I put you in remembrance, verse 6, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works. Praise God. But according to his own purpose and grace. Praise God. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. And Paul is telling Timothy. No no doubt Timothy's under the gun. And it has to do with Paul's punishments. It has to do with Paul's imprisonments. Has to do with the way people hate Paul. Because Timothy's Paul's son in the faith. And everybody knows that Timothy's related to Paul. And Paul's rejected. And people don't like Paul. And people are offended with Paul's preaching. And almost everywhere Paul goes, he gets thrown into jail. And no doubt there were people in Timothy's ear just telling Timothy, Hey, look, just follow us. Paul's too much problem. He's got too much trouble. People reject him. Come follow us. We found a way to get along with the world and God. We don't create any problems. We don't create any disturbances. Come come with us. 
And Paul begins to deal with this in Timothy. And he says, Timothy, I just want you to know that God did not give us this timid spirit. It's not what God gave us. This, this, this cowardice spirit, God did not give it to us. I'm asking you to endure hardness. He would go on to tell Timothy this in one of his epistles. I'm asking you to, to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I'm asking you to not be ashamed of me, the Lord's prisoner. I'm asking you to stir up the gifts of the Spirit that are in your life. Because if you allow the Holy Spirit to lead your life, guess what? You're going to stir up a, a nest of, of demons and hell and anger. And people are going to be upset with you. People aren't going to understand what's going on in your life. I've, I've had people come to me as a pastor. We've seen young people get saved. We've seen young people that have come out of drinking. They've come out of of. of you know, sleeping around and and just all this kind of lifestyle. We've seen them, you know, get off of drug addiction and their lives. They're just living good lives. Their their grades are doing good. They're they're doing better in school. They're they're getting serious about their career. Something's happened to them. We we I'd have parents calling me. What did you do to my son? What did you do to my daughter? What what is going on? Say, we didn't do anything. They just met Jesus Christ and Jesus changed them. He gave them a right mind and and they said. Well, well, I don't like what you're doing to them. I, I don't like what's going on with them. And I'm, I, I said, well, what's going on with them? I mean, what is happening? I, I'll work with you. I'll help you. Let's, let's meet with them. And he said, well, well, they're just different now. I said, well, what do you mean? They're not drinking? No, they're not drinking anymore. And they're not doing drugs? They're not doing drugs anymore. And they're not sleeping around? No, they're not sleeping around anymore. And I said, so what's the problem? Are their grades better? Yeah, their grades are better. They're thinking about careers now. I said, so what's the problem? You want a drunk son? Is that what it is? You want a son that's drunk and sleeping around and getting addicted? To, is that what you want? But that was the normal that they understood. They didn't understand this God who came into somebody's life and gave them joy and gave them hope and gave them peace and gave them life. And even the good things that Jesus does to people and the good things that happen because of God's kingdom in our world, the healing of the sick and the ministering to the poor and and, and doing things that serve God and build up the community, the, the things of darkness hate that. And, 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 and because of the oppression and the persecution of it, no, no doubt Timothy was shrinking back a little bit from this. And Paul said, Timothy, stir up the gift that's in you. By the Holy Spirit, don't let that become dormant. I say that to you tonight. Stir up the gift that's in you. Will walking with Jesus cost you something? It will. To walk with Jesus will cost. Why do, why do you think we sing that song? No turning back, no turning back. Because there are going to be some moments in your life where you're tempted to turn back. But the cross before me, what does that mean? This, this cross, this symbol that, that represents the rejection of God in this world. And this is who I'm following. Yeah, there might be a cost in this. But I get him. I get his fellowship, I get his love, I get his life, I get to be with him. And so Paul says to Timothy, God hasn't given you this spirit of timidity, but God gives you the spirit of love and the spirit of power and of a sound mind. That's what God gives you. God gives you that spirit. Listen, two spirits, a spirit of fear that doesn't come from God. Or a spirit of love and power and a sound mind that does come from God. And what does that tell me? It tells me this. That courage does not come from me. It comes to me from God. But also the fear that causes me to be scared. And causes me to be paralyzed. To do nothing. And to blend into the 
to the crowd. That also doesn't necessarily come from me. But that comes from a spirit of the enemy. That's trying to shut me down and stop me. And I've, I've faced that. And, and I know you have. How many times have we been with our Christian groups. And been in our church. And talk about how mighty we are. And how great we are. And how we're going to change the world for Jesus Christ. And we go out to the LSU campus to hand out tracts. And we're scared to death to go to one person. It's that spirit that just begins to come on us. And in the name of Jesus in that moment. You need to begin to rebuke that attack. This is not coming from God. God gives me, and and it's not to say, okay, I'm rebuking this spirit of fear because I'm so scared to go witness to these people right now or share my testimony right now. And it's not just to rebuke that spirit and say, okay, now I'm just going to do it and I'm just going to step into it. Trust. No, No, it's not that. It's like, I now need your spirit of love and your power and a right mind so that I can go into this crowd of people And be able to share Jesus with them. Not in my own ability. But in your ability. Not going in there in the confidence. That I've memorized these passages of scripture. About how a person needs to be saved. Or not afraid. Because I don't know the Bible well enough. No you go in there. Trusting in the gift of the Holy Spirit. To come through your life. And you might walk out of that. Thinking I absolutely butchered this. And failed. And maybe those people after you leave would say, isn't it nice to not hear some professional preacher try to preach to us, but somebody who just really loves Jesus stumbling all over their words trying to tell us what Jesus means to. Wasn't that refreshing? I've heard people say that before. Just understood. You're just a real person trying to share with me what Jesus did for your life. I appreciate that rather than some elegant, eloquent person. Never making a mistake in their speech. Guys, the power of God is available to you. The world is waiting on you. This culture is desperate for a demonstration of God's kingdom. It's not in word. It's in power. 1 Corinthians 4.20. It's in power. And we have to believe for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. And if you can't do it, then you need the baptism in the Spirit. If you're making excuses, then you need the Holy Spirit to fill you. If you've given up on situations in life because of problems, and you've just resigned yourself to the fact this is just going to end bad, then you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and let faith rise up in you so you can look past what you see and look beyond the facts and believe in the truth of God's kingdom that only God can give the final word. And he hadn't spoken into this yet, but he will. And maybe he'll speak in it through your very life, your very mouth that has the power to move mountains into the sea. That's the authority that Jesus has given you. Oh, to God that you believed it. To God that you could see for one moment the possibilities of what is inside of you. Especially if you believe it's Jesus that's inside of you. And there are no impossibilities. Stand with me. We're just going to take some time to worship the Lord. Now, this is what I want to do. And I just, I want to lead you in this just moment. The Holy Spirit is not given to us because of the measure of our holiness. He's not given to us for those that are the strongest among us. He's given to us because we're weak.
And he's given to us because we're not holy. And we cannot be holy apart from him. The Holy Spirit is our comforter and he is our encourager. He is the person of God. He's not a force. He's not a power. He's a person. And he loves you. He has come to you in the name of Jesus to be your companion. He's come to you in the name of Jesus to enable you to do things that are beyond human ability. So that he can point to that and say, this was Jesus. This is what Jesus did in your life. I desire with all of my heart forever for us to be a people hungry for God. Hungry to see the fame of Jesus in our city and in our nation. I desire that with all of my heart. The only way that will ever happen is by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are the church. You're his hands. You're his feet. It's enough. The battle is on. It's not training anymore. It's life and death. The conflict is there. The world needs what God has given you. Beloved, it's time to believe that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It's got nothing to do with my feelings. But it has everything to do with the reality. I'm in a situation where people need Jesus. And I'm going to go into it asking God to give me the courage, the love, the power, the sound mind. And I'm going to trust God. If you don't move, then nothing's going to happen. But God, if you move, then everything's going to happen. Just leave it with God. But not to make any excuses anymore. But to believe the Lord. Some of us need courage tonight. We really do. But there's another thing I want to ask us to do because we're talking about intimacy this weekend. Can I ask you this? Can we just have in this altar tonight along with the desire to have the Holy Spirit fill us and glorify Jesus through us? Can we also have a time of repentance? Could I ask you to just come and agree with God about things that He's saying about your life? And a real turning in your heart, a turning in your mind to God to agree with the Lord. And that's what repentance is. Repentance is a turning. Or to agree with God about what's going on in your life and what he's saying about it. He's not going to condemn you if you come and agree with him. The Bible says he is faithful and just to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's what he'll do. He'll cleanse you. He'll make you clean. He'll make you whole. So I invite you to come and just agree with God about anything that you need to agree. Maybe to give up that might be going on in your life. I just give up. I just can't pray anymore. I just I just can't believe anymore. What's going to happen to people if that's what you do? And don't you love Jesus? I know that you do. Don't you want the world to know him? Don't you want people to see him? power of God on your life. The ability of the Holy Spirit. It's not your performance. It's not your performance, but your faith to 